Hello, and welcome to Outback Team Building and Training Tips, a monthly audio resource for HR and business professionals. I'm your host, Luke Bailey, and each month I'm joined by a special guest to discuss tips, tools, and methods to build better teams in the workplace. Today, I'm joined by Carrie Ward, a team building and employee training facilitator who specializes in experiential learning. Thanks for joining me today, Carrie. Nice to be here, Luke. Our topic this month is experiential learning, training you need to experience to believe. We actually have an extra long episode in store for you, so we're going to skip the quick team building tip of the month and get right into the interview about experiential learning. Okay, let's start out with the basics. For those who aren't familiar, what is experiential learning? Sure. So I will give you actually a personal example to start from. Experiential learning with respect to being a business person or an entrepreneur. I founded, I think, four different companies, including a venture-funded startup company. And during that session, we, there were five founders in that, in that business. And we learned a lot as we started the business. We found $5 million worth of funding and we ended up hiring a lot of people who had had non-experiential learning. They had MBAs from impressive institutions and that sort of thing. They brought in a different set of learning skills that were perhaps not quite as practical as the learning skills you learn when you're actually doing something. So that was what I would call my $5 million MBA. And that $5 million MBA, if you translate that into the classroom, simply means that if you're doing a training session, the training session uh, allows you to put into practice in some sort of safe environment the things that you are going to be learning rather than talking about them or filling in a blank or hearing somebody else talk about them even worse. So experiential learning puts you in the mix and it gives you an opportunity to actually put these things into practice. Right, and as you kind of alluded to, people might think of experiential learning as some sort of far out hippie style of teaching, but really it's more common than you might think. A lot of people get experiential learning through their day-to-day jobs, right? You know, most of the time when you learn a job, it's on the job. With the exception of a few different things, like if you're a doctor or you're a lawyer or maybe an engineer, there are things you must learn going forward. But even an engineer, once they show up on the job, there's a lot to learn. You learn it by doing it. Uh, Almost every single thing that you can imagine in terms of a job, with the exception of perhaps the very simplest jobs, you are learning on the job. So that is experiential learning. Gotcha. So why do you think then that it's so much more effective than the traditional classroom setting? Well, the classroom setting, you put people in a classroom, many people check out. Most of the time, people are not actually engaged because you're not asking them to do something, to put something into practice. Uh, The experiential learning, on the other hand, will give you not only a basis in experiencing what the, the skill or learning, for instance, if you're learning how to give feedback in, in, in a classroom setting or you're learning to give feedback in a professional setting, actually giving feedback, receiving it, hearing what your feedback is, is received as, meaning is it feedback that was <laughs> not, not so useful? Yeah. How do, you, how do you keep tailoring that, tailoring that, and tailoring that? And the only way to do it is to actually do it in some sort of experiential fashion. So actually practicing giving and receiving feedback. That makes sense. And I feel like this all kind of plays into the different types of learning that there are. 
You know, not everyone learns best through reading or writing. Some people learn musically or in a more physical way. Is that true in your experience? Totally valid. Yeah. And you see when you have a whole group of folks who come together, it's interesting standing in the front of a room and listening to the crowd or listening to the folks in the room and seeing where they all are. When you walk into this type of setting, depending on the group you're working with, usually a good chunk of the people in the room are excited to be there. They're interested, they're engaged, and usually there's a small section of the room that's not excited about being there. And one way you can actually start with that is to actually just say, hey, look, you've got a bunch of different people in this room. How many people are, are really excited to be here? Hands up, and you'll see hands shoot up immediately. Hey, we're really excited to be here, that's great. Those are the people that you wanna focus in on. You know they're grateful to be there. There's two other sets of people in the room. One set of people in the room, how many of you are here against your will? You're digging in your heels, you got better stuff to do, this ain't, ain't, ain't what you would like to be doing today. Hands up. And eventually, if you give them the space, which is absolutely fine, sure. you'll see some hands start to go up. Fantastic, great, I'm glad we got that out there. We still wanna make this useful. When you walk into a room like that, the experiential learning part of things is, look, my experience as a facilitator or a trainer is gonna be different than, than yours as a, as a participant who's engaged in, in this training or team building program. Now, at the end of the day, it's not me who's gonna decide, hey, this is a success or not a success. You, sitting in the chair, are going to be the one who decides whether it's a success or not. So for me to define success is a little bit presumptuous. So the thing that I'm interested in doing to make sure that experiential learning does actually happen is say, hey, what is it that you want to take out of here? We're here for the next four hours or the next two days or whatever it happens to be. What constitutes a successful outcome? So give us, give us your definition, because then at the end, we can go back and we can look and see how that's, how that's done. That's about as experiential as you can get, because you say, hey, I'm interested in learning this, this skill. Great, we're gonna do a session on that skill. What does it look like at the end when you feel time, energy, money, well spent, glad we did this. This is what it looks like, fantastic. We'll go through the experience, we'll give them uh, a series of what I would call engaging activities to participate in where these skills and attributes will be put into practice. Might be a business simulation, might be a communication workshop. And then by the end, you can look back and say, hey, did it happen or did it not happen? And most of the time, most of the people in the room will acknowledge, yes, it happened. So then you get to that point, then it's almost you know, irrefutable that look, learning has happened because this is what you said you wanted, this is what where, where we got to by the end of the session. Right. And that only happens if people are engaged. If they're sitting down, they're looking at a PowerPoint screen, if they're being lectured to, might or might not, but it certainly raises your odds of getting things done if you approach it with what I would call the experiential learning. And you've run hundreds of these types of experiential learning programs. How do you go about convincing people who might be skeptical about the whole idea? Two things. Well, let's say three things. The, the first one is what every business is concerned with. Bottom line, can you earn more money by doing something like this, even though it costs money and takes time? Let's say it's a four hour, half day session, and you do something that I will call is a transformational event, which could be team building, it could be training, it could be leadership development. That four hour block of time, 
is essentially an opportunity. Sometimes I'll make a little diagram up, which consists of an arrow that's kind of going up saying, hey, you guys have got to be doing pretty well to have us here doing this. You're taking time, you've spent some dough, and you've gotten everybody together, sometimes from all over the world, everybody in this room to go through this experience. So I'm assuming you're doing pretty well. And then all of a sudden, here's today and I'll draw my best play school version of a prism. And see, so what happens when you enter this prism is it, energy or light, it refracts, it redirects, it gets, gets split up, but it's shifted, the direction is shifted. So that day, that four hour chunk is like this prism which you guys are going into and you're shifting from that positive direction arrow to a slightly more positive direction. So you've gone, <laughs> right and up to right and even further up, mm. which means that in a month or two, if, you, if you're able to make that team perhaps 3% or 5% more efficient, meaning they can get things done a little quicker because their communication is better or they've learned a few skills that enable them to do their job better or simply do things as you elevate the level of trust within, within an organization, mm. this is the kind of thing where, where that actually happens. So bottom line is, is one thing that a company can, can definitely take away. You're That's a boss. A yeah, yeah, it's huge. Second one, what I will call a, a positive working environment. If you are in a, in a place where you feel people are in action, basically demonstrate that you're interested in developing the people who are working with you rather than just getting what you can from them. If you develop them, they'll continue to develop. They'll bring you great ideas. They'll start to implement. They'll work the, the extra hours because it matters. You've demonstrated that you care, so they'll probably, in return, care about the actual business and do, do the best they can. Um, and the last thing, so you've got bottom line, yep. you've got positive working environment. The last one is developing skills as an individual or as a team that enable you to be more efficient. It just gets you to point B much quicker. And one way to do that, I mentioned earlier the, the point A to point B journey within, within a session. If you, know your, if you know your goal, if you know your destination, and you're open to feedback, like a GPS, as soon as you go off course, you fool, you've gone off course, take a left and then go back or whatever. This is, this is what happens when you, when you have a, a team where you're always, what I would call, in, in development mode. People start to think, okay, am I going in the right direction? What do I have to shift? What do I need to change? If I'm going down the wrong path, am I going to just commit to that, double down? No, I'm going to go back, retrace my steps and go a different direction. So th those, are, those are three things that are a byproduct of, of doing and training to get better results financially, you get a team that feels more positive, they'll probably double down on their commitment to you, and lastly, people are better at what they do, so they become more efficient. Cool. And could you share with me a story of when experiential learning had an outcome that you think wouldn't be possible in a traditional classroom setting? I worked with a, an HR team, and it was a 150-year-old company. They've been around for a very long time, and the HR team was having some morale issues. So this was a training that was designed to address it directly. We were going into their mission, their values as an HR group, and basically how they interact with one another. And we worked on a, a, a document that 
took most of the day to put together. We got to the end of that, that session and everybody was fully engaged. This was full on experiential. It's not like you were presenting, hey, here's the mission statement of the organization. Here you go. It's them crafting something for themselves which had meaning. And they put a lot of thought into it. And at a certain point, I knew there was one person in the room who wasn't all the way on board and eventually it just boiled to the surface because we got to the point where we put it on the wall and said so this is it can we all get behind this mm -hmm. and everybody said yes and this person at that point it, it spilled over and she said I just don't even know what we're doing here I just feel like we're just giving this I don't write this is I think this is a waste of time and and everybody in the room reacted because they worked hard on this thing. They went put it together and this person was on board the whole way up until that moment. When she reached that moment, I, 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 I treated it as an opportunity for learning. I said, so, are you open to uh, some feedback? Sure, I'm open to feedback. Okay, so I'm gonna suggest to you that you're actually a really strong leader in the room. I'm not a strong leader. I'm not. No, that's not the case. And so I said, you know, your, your position in the org chart might not be that you're the leader of the group, but you have a strong influence on the group. So I'm just going to, by a show of hands, how many regard this person as a leader? Most of the hands went up. She looked around and I said, okay, so now how do you think you're showing up? as a leader in the, in, the, in the group. They've worked hard on this thing. And now you've basically invalidated all the work that you and they have done at that point. What do you think, what do you think they're thinking? And she took a moment, she took a breath, and she said, ah, I get it. And, and from that point forward, she was, I'm gonna call her on board, more subdued. And the, the, the VP called me back two weeks later and he said the transformation was remarkable because she'd never been in that experience, experiential setting where her impact on a group was so crystal clear. Right. So it got to that point where she, she had the little meltdown, like I'm not here. But that was also that's where it needed to go. That's really interesting. And you facilitate programs that build all types of skills, right? From leadership to communication to negotiation, really any type of skill you're looking to develop, you can do it through experiential learning. One of my favorite things is when a company calls and says, hey, we didn't know if there was anything that would teach us this particular thing, or we read this book or went through this process. Is there something that you can do that encompasses those concepts or those ideas? And I have a mantra which I, I, I impress upon the sales folks, which is the answer is always yes. Yes, we can figure that out, absolutely. There are lots of different programs that we, that we offer. It could be presentation skills, it could be communication, it could be elevating trust, it could be adapting to change, it could be time management. If there's, if there's an area that you're interested in developing and you think, oh, probably nobody's doing that, well, they might not be until you call us and then, then we put <laughs> something together. Yeah. yeah, so there's a lot of questions that going in to just figure out what do you want out of this and then how to tailor the experience so that you get what you want out of it. Yeah. You give us an idea, you give us something to run with that's clear, and we, we will do that. 
Awesome. And just one more question before I let you go. Um, what would you say to someone who is listening to this and is still sort of on the fence about the whole experiential learning thing? It's a risk on your part to schedule something like this and to bring a group like us in to do whatever it is you'd like us to do, whether it's a training session or a leadership development session or a full day where you have <laughs> leadership skills and then a team building component at the end. We're one of the few organizations that can do all of that within a day or day and a half. So if you bring somebody like that in, you essentially become both a leader and a potential target. You become a leader because you've introduced this idea which means that people are not going to get work done that day, money is going to be spent, travel is going to have to be done, things are going to have to be accommodated, business is going to go on, and you're not going to have people in seats to do that business. So that's a big risk that you're taking. Our job is to make you look good at the end of the day so that when all these people come in, even if they're skeptical at the beginning, by the end they've recognized the value in, in what we've done. So yes, you will be a leader, yes, you will be a risk taker, but one of the things that you can do to temper the risk that you take is bring someone in who's done this a lot. We've done literally thousands of programs and literally probably hundreds and hundreds of different programs in all the various settings that you can imagine with organizations that run the full spectrum from high school students to senior diplomats from energy companies to pharmaceutical companies from technology companies that are the biggest ones in the world, the one all the names you know and love, to ones that are just starting up and, and barely there. Governmental organizations, bring us in and our job will be to make you look good. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you so much for joining me today, Carrie. If you want to learn more about experiential learning, you can visit our website at AmericanOutback.net. Before you go, though, let's take a quick question from the audience. Each month, we take one question from the audience. This month, we have Hillary from Austin, who asks, I've been trying to get the other senior leaders on my team to buy into the idea of experiential learning, but they seem to think traditional training is the only serious way to develop skills. How do you convince people who are skeptical about the value of experiential learning programs? Carrie, this is something that we've been talking about a lot already, but is there anything else you'd want to add for Hillary? Here's one kicker that I will give you. If you read a business magazine or you take a look at the latest, greatest, the hot 100 companies, the fastest growing, the, the biggest organizations in the world, and you compare them to our client list, there's a huge overlap. And what that tells you, not necessarily that we're the secret ingredient, but what that does tell you is those organizations invest in development, learning, and team building for their people. Because they do that, that is an element of why they're successful, absolutely without a doubt. Companies that are not doing so well, that aren't perhaps looking after their people so well, or that are starting to decline, they don't have us in quite as much, which may be a mistake because you've always got to be developing, always got to be developing. If you're a technology company, you have to develop new technology. If you're pharmaceutical, your R&D is a massive chunk of your budget. Any other business, you need a chunk of your budget to donate to development, people, that sort of thing. That's where, that's where we come in. So to, for, 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 for Hillary in Austin, I would say 
do it because the best companies in the world do it. Fantastic. Carrie, thank you so much for joining me today. Cheers, Luke. High five. Hey. That's it for this episode of Outback Team Building and Training Tips. Until next time, thank you for listening.